Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. behind women's cricket chat that's georgie and alex coming up on today's podcast welcome back to women's cricket chat today it's just me alex is too busy doing an actual job but i have time on my hands and way more fun things to do and today i'm very happy to say i'm joined by the wonderful esther delanger esther welcome to the podcast finally it's taken taken many a whatsapp a trip to jersey a very cold trip to jersey but finally got you on the podcast thank you so much for joining me Thanks for having me. So obviously I know you very well, but our listeners don't. So Esther is a former Dutch international women's cricketer, former captain, and now you're a big wig at the ICC. So just let our listeners know what it is that you do now. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Yeah, so I'm Esther Lange and I work in the Europe team of uh, the ICC global development team. So we've got uh, a, a team of people, uh, a small team of people who are supporting the European uh, associate members of the ICC with the growth of cricket. And uh, my role specifically is a development officer, uh, which means that I look after the growth and development of the game. And I support those 32 countries with education, with participation programs, and with some high performance support as well. And so for you, You've come through the system in the Netherlands. What was it like growing up for you and how did you get into cricket in the first place? Yeah, I grew up in uh, in a town called Utrecht, uh, right in the middle of the Netherlands. And cricket wasn't is not a major sport, was not a major sport when I was growing up, but it was it was there and the, one of the oldest clubs in the Netherlands uh, is actually in Utrecht, Kampong. And they did an outreach program in the mid-90s when I was a youngster in schools where they um, they basically handed out some flyers and they organized some introductory sessions. And that's how I got involved. Uh, I knew about the game because I'd seen it on the BBC. So I knew that the game existed <laughs> and I was quite curious about it. So when, I, when that flyer came through, I just thought, oh, that's a great opportunity to try something new and uh yeah I, I joined the winter winter training sessions and I absolutely loved it I wasn't wasn't very good at it but I just really enjoyed uh, especially fielding uh, running after a tennis ball and uh, throwing it uh throwing it back and things like that I really really enjoyed that because yeah I was a, I was a generally quite a sporty kid anyway so I tried I tried loads of different games uh and loads of different sports but uh cricket's the one that stuck uh, and the one that I've basically stuck with for the, uh, the, the yeah until until now and for the foreseeable future uh, what else did you play did you find that they helped your cricket what's the big one for women in the Netherlands would you say is it football 
No, at the time it wasn't. At the time it wasn't football. I'd say it, it's definitely football now, but I was a massive football nut when I was growing up. And I did try to play competitively uh, when I was younger, but there weren't any girls teams to join. So I joined a boys team. I had a terrible experience. Uh, it really was was not good. So I left uh, pretty quickly and but kind of became disenfranchised with, with football after that. But the other sports that I did do for a long time, I played badminton for, for uh, about six years. Yeah, yeah, it was something my dad my dad played badminton as well, so it felt like a natural a natural fit. So I did yeah badminton. Uh, I did taekwondo as a teenager, but I also did loads of other sports like uh, athletics, table tennis. What else did I do? Yeah, just just loads of loads of different things uh, that I was trying out bit of tennis occasionally but but yeah badminton was probably the big one that I did uh consistently for for a long period while I was growing up and I do think that that did help my cricket in purely in terms of athletic development hand-eye coordination and it also I think helped in a way where badminton is very much a solo sport <laughs> and I was quite competitive and therefore not a great loser um when I was playing badminton I know this one and I don't know what it, I've played badminton, like we was playing PE at school and it was one of those ones that would just bring out the worst in me because we didn't play it that much. So as soon as we did, it got super competitive. Yeah, and that I was absolutely like that. I was super competitive and I was quite hard on myself. I was also playing a level above uh, my, my age group. So uh, I was playing out of my age group. But if I, if I lost, I'd had a really bad time of it. But then when I went to cricket, because it was a team sport, and as we know, it's an individual team sport, but it was a whole different experience to, to, to be in a team environment and to then kind of not feel the the whole weight of responsibility resting on me, I guess, for, for winning or losing a game. Or if I had a, a bad day, I could still contribute in another way and, and uh, uh, yeah, contribute to the win. So that that was, I think, in terms of perspective, I think it's good I went to that, through that experience uh, of, of playing badminton when I was younger. And when those flyers were brought to your school, what kind of age were you and how many girls took it up? Uh, I think I, I was about ten years old, ten or eleven, uh, when I when I took uh, when I took it up. There were not that many girls, especially from my school. There basically the the club, uh, Kampong, uh, had a a junior team in every age group at the time, and in every year or every uh, junior setup like under 11s under 13s under 15s there was one girl in each basically um, which was is already more than some other clubs <laughs> but especially at the time yeah there was there were no other girls in my age group really uh, I did try to get my friends involved uh, but it didn't it didn't take unfortunately at the time yeah, and what but... was that like sort of being the only girl was it quite hard it was Compared to the experience that I'd had within the football setting, it was a breath of fresh air that felt very welcoming. But looking back on it, there was still uh, it, it was very much you're you're the only girl in a boys team. And therefore, that's kind of sets you apart from from the rest. I think my own team was generally uh, pretty good. They're, they're, they're always uh, welcoming and um, and a nice bunch. But then some of the opposition, maybe not so much. Yeah they had a tendency to give uh, give me a hard time. And how did you manage that one? Did you give it back or did you just let your performances do the talking? Yeah, I, th I think I just absorbed it and uh, I, I would never, I would never talk back, but I would just, it would just make me more determined to do well if, if I was getting some comments while I was batting or, or something like that. Or when I was playing men's games, uh, it became quite fun to kind of mess with the guys because they tend to get quite upset if they get, hit for four by uh, a young woman and yeah then then they start doing funny stuff like changing their run-ups or changing their sp uh, their the speed that they're bowling at and it's generally quite predictable so yeah I had some fun messing with them a little bit so nothing more fragile than a male ego playing no absolutely we've learned that one and I remember we talked about this when we were on the podcast in Jersey and we talked about having to wear men's kit and being swamped by it was that something you had to deal with at the time and sort of massive pads and huge shirts that you're having to like tuck into everything 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, generally, the, the clothing that was available was men's clothing and the equipment that, ava- that was available was men's equipment. So bats that are too heavy, pads that are too big, shirts that are in men's sizes and therefore you're swimming around in them. Now, I'm, I'm quite tall and, and got relatively broad shoulders, but I know that there were uh, girls when we were playing for the Netherlands, we would play in the hand-me-downs from the men's teams and some of the some of the other players were absolutely drowning in, in like they would be given a, a, a men's a men's large when what they needed was a, a women's medium. And uh, yeah, the difference was quite quite significant. So yeah, they're, they're usually uh, with, with the trousers, there was a bit of like, okay, let's fold over the, the bottoms and make sure that they're not dragging along. And with the shirts, it's yeah, t- tucking them in. And uh, we didn't, we didn't tailor them, I guess. But uh, yeah, there was a, a bit of that going on for sure. And we'll come back to that stuff in just a minute. But I want to know how you went from, you know, just getting a flyer, playing as the only girl on a men's team to then making your way to moving into the national side. Yeah, so that was uh, that was an ambition from from quite early on, actually. So I think when I was thirteen, uh, twelve or thirteen, I saw the Dutch women play, and I was I was like, that's I want to do that. <laughs> that's it. I know what I want to do with my life, and and this is what it looks like. So that inspiration was kind of always there, the the, the ambition. But for a long time, it I, I was quite far off. Obviously, still learning the game, playing in the junior cricket, and there wasn't really a pathway structure in the same way that there is now but uh, eventually I did get an opportunity uh, when I was 17 to, to trial for the under 21s and that went pretty well so I got basically got snapped up um, immediately into the under 21 setup and yeah basically from there on out I, I represented the under 21s for a couple of years and then made my um, made my senior debut in uh, 2005 yeah, it sounds like a natural progression, which obviously there was a bit of hard work <laughs> that went in, went into it. So, uh, but yeah, that that that's uh, it started with that under seventy uh, under twenty ones um, opportunity to. Uh, I'll I'll never forget the trial because I was so nervous and I was like, I really have to I hate do trials. well here. <laughs> I hate trials. I never play well at trials. I just I get too stressed. No, I yeah. Um, yeah, so, so yeah. you you were pretty good at those then. Well, thankfully that day it went really well. I think I took uh, two or three catches. I scored some runners and took some wickets. And I remember the coach at the end of the day uh, when we were all getting together, uh, they were handing out information about uh, the program that was coming up. And she just put one in my hands and basically said, "Yeah, you definitely need this." Oh. So, so that gave me so much comfort to say, "Oh, I think I, I think I did okay here." That's such a relief as well. You don't have to go home at the end of the day and be like, "Oh God, did I do that wrong? Did I do that?" Wait for every time and the, the landline rings. When did we stop using landlines? Yeah, no, it was still the landline at the time. I'm showing my age, but that's okay. No, it was definitely still the landline, but you used to get a letter. So there'll be a letter in the post saying, congratulations, you've, you've been selected for the, um, the Dutch under 21s team. And here's the, here's some information. The people that didn't get in, did they just not get a letter? It's like like Hogwarts. Yeah. I remember, I remember, yeah, opening that letter again, nerves are in tatters and you open that letter and you get the good news and yeah, just kind of like having a little private party. <laughs> Love that. It's like um, the the days of when people open their A-level results in a piece of paper rather than online. You know, you have that like sick feeling when you're clicking it and you're like, oh God, and opening. no, none of that. PTSD. Don't even think about exam results. No, no, no. So obviously it's, you know, been a while since you made that debut back in 2005. What was it like being part of that international side? Because I remember you saying you were having to work at Starbucks alongside because it wasn't funded, you're having to pay your way. How hard did that make it for you? Yeah, incredibly hard. I mean, so when I made my debut uh, uh, in the senior team, I was one of the youngest players in that squad and, and there was quite a tight-knit group. Uh, so I found it quite daunting and quite intimidating because uh, I was coming in as a as a newbie and basically taking taking someone's place and and yeah the, uh, that yeah you don't automatically get into the squad and feel comfortable. It takes takes quite a bit of time actually. Did that to... make you feel more pressure? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, because every time you do get an opportunity. It, you have to do well because you have to show why why uh why you've earned your place uh, and then if you're if you don't stand out then you feel like oh uh, maybe I've 
I've let the side down or have let myself down by by not being a, a standout. So that it was quite an intim- intimidating environment to come into. And yeah, it took a long time to adjust. And I, I wasn't a, a kind of a shoe in for selection at, and at that time as well. So I was kind of in and out of the uh, senior team uh, from probably like 2007. I got basically put back into the, the, the Netherlands A side and had to work my way back into the, the senior, uh, senior squad a couple of years later. But yeah, that was, I mean, trying to balance studies, work, cricket. And I kind of had the mindset of, I'm going to put cricket first. So whatever decision I made was based around how it was going to impact my ability to to train and play. And therefore, so when I started looking for work, it, it was also on the back of the 2008 um, financial meltdown. So uh, work was hard to come by anyway. But uh, when I started looking, there just wasn't anything really that, yeah, it, w- it wasn't that much available. But also the, the things that were available would, would have meant giving up cricket altogether. So yeah, then made the decision to to start working at, at Starbucks. And uh, that offered me the opportunity to keep playing and while still making making enough to to get by and remaining um, caffeinated yeah rem- well i honestly here i never drank coffee before i worked at starbucks i only started drinking coffee and now i drink all the time to, uh, drink the coffee yeah it, i i learned um i learned a lot about coffee i learned a lot about i learned a lot about myself working at starbucks no it was to be honest it was actually a really valuable opportunity and a really valuable experience and i was telling somebody the other day around you know working in a kind of a high stress high pressure environment with people from loads of different backgrounds dealing with difficult situations dealing with customers who get upset about very random things and yeah that that really taught me a lot and um and, and a lot of the skill sets that I developed then I'm still accessing now in yeah when when things are under pressure or when things are yeah um, and how do you deal with those how do you deal with those Aggie customers and also question did you ever purposely spell people's names wrong on their cup because recently I've had a Gigi and a Judy and I thought I could pronounce my own name quite well but it appears not yeah, I always took a lot of pride in getting people's names right. So I would always be the one to take a, a, an extra second to ask the question, oh, is that Sarah with an H or is that, you know, uh, uh, yeah, uh, do you spell that with a G or with a, with a K? Like something like that. Like I would always ask the follow-up question, make sure I got it right. And I know, I know that went down quite well, but yeah, in terms of dealing with difficult customers, I think the main thing is to try and stay stay calm and not not meet them in their stress level does that make sense so yeah just just trying to stay calm and 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 business-like rather than going along in 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 whatever's making them angry and yeah it's yeah it's not easy but it's one of the things like it's um you have to deal with translate nicely into the rest of your life and dealing with people i guess it it really does Uh, no it really does and yeah dealing with uh, or working with people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different languages. And that's definitely something that I'm doing every day today. So um, and all, all very beneficial. And then also it allowed me to to coach um, on the side as well. So I was, I started my own coaching business while I was working at um, Starbucks and while I was playing. So I was trying to combine, uh, yeah, everything. And how long did you stay there while still playing international cricket and still coaching? Because that sounds like a very busy day. Did sleep just, was sleep just not a thing? No, sleep was not a thing. Rest was not really a thing. I did that for five years. Yeah, five years in total, I think it was. So yeah, that was that was pretty intense, not gonna lie. It was uh, especially like uh, spending eight hours on your feet, running around, making making drinks and then going into uh, uh, a national team training where you're doing fitness for an hour and having to do squats. I, I remember quite clearly how, how painful that was. And, and then all these teenagers around me, because they're all like 16 year olds, are like, oh yeah, I'm a bit tired from school. I'm like, mm, are you really? <laughs> you sat down all day. Maths is that tiring yeah so um that that was always um that yeah that was difficult but um yeah rest wasn't really a thing and and it did affect I guess the ability to play to the best of my ability you know looking back on that and uh I've had loads of conversations with with women who are now getting the opportunity to be professional cricketers and one of the biggest things that they say is that you well, I finally have a time to actually rest and make sure I sleep enough and when I've had a, a big big game day I can I can take 
the next day off and just lie in bed all day. Um, and then I just have those memories of coming back from tour on a on a Monday morning where we've been to England over the weekend, played Saturday, played Sunday, uh, fly Monday morning at 6 a.m. and at 10 o'clock uh, my shift starts in Utrecht. So that was um that that was kind of the lifestyle I was living. So just going from one thing to the next to the next and uh yeah, pretty relentless. But uh yeah. You ever feel Looking like you're leading sort of this weird double life? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because I would I, I had tours where I had my Starbucks clothing packed in my cricket equipment and then I would <laughs> So I, because I, I knew that it was going straight from the airport into a shit, and then I would um, hide my cricket bag in the in the kitchen behind uh, <laughs> where I was working and get changed, uh, get changed, and then uh, yeah, on the floor. And yeah, it is a little bit like Clark Kent coming out of the phone box, uh, it, except it was me coming out of my Starbucks uniform. <laughs> That's fantastic. Do you ever sort of look at even just Dutch players now and want in your head be like? You don't know how easy some of you have got this, you know. My cricket bag is hidden under a, a fridge somewhere in the back room. Yeah, so I look, I think there's been a lot of progress, but I know that the girls in, in the team right now, they, they do work hard and they've got their, their own challenges to deal with. But yeah, sometimes you do think, of, come on, you know, it's gotten a lot better. It's definitely got a lot better in the last uh, uh, seven, seven, eight years. So yeah, I, I hope I hope that they realise Uh it's hard when you're young to to kind of see that and to see what generations before you have done and and have had to do but I do hope that they they are aware uh, I think to an extent they are but yeah sometimes sometimes you're not sure so Netherlands have previously been in the World Cup I think the last one was in 2000 am I right and obviously that's yeah. before your time because you're young and fresh and wonderful can they make another World Cup? And is that something that you ever think that is something I really wish I'd been able to do in my career, go to a World Cup? Yeah, I mean, for myself, that was the thing that motivated me the most. Like my my desire to try and qualify for World Cup was what fueled everything else. Because every 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 couple of years, we would have an opportunity to qualify for first for a global qualifier and then at a global qualifier to see if we could get to that World Cup stage. And we came agonizingly close, and I do say agonizingly close. We lost by two runs to to Ireland in 2013, and that meant that Ireland went to the World Cup and we didn't. And you know, that was devastating, but at least we got an opportunity to try and at least we got an opportunity to to compete. I do think it's possible. I absolutely think it's possible for, for the Netherlands to come back in and, and play in a future World Cup. I think it's very hard. There's a lot of competition and there's teams playing now that aren't weren't hadn't even started playing last time that the Dutch were in the World Cup. And yeah, there's, the standard is is getting higher. Uh, I know that uh, the team has got a lot better. I saw them play in Spain, and I was really impressed with the progress that they've made. But there's still there's still a lot of room for growth, and I think they know that as well. And there's it's a very young team. But yeah, in the future, I would hope that definitely in the Netherlands would get another opportunity to play the World Cup, and it also will will help when the uh, World Cup is is expanded because currently there's a lot of good teams that are missing out. So if there's more teams in that World Cup, there there's obviously more opportunity for teams to play. But yeah, I know for myself that was uh, the biggest thing that I w- was hoping to achieve while while playing for the Netherlands, and I didn't manage to achieve that unfortunately. But um, we got pretty damn close. And how do you come back from something like that? Because obviously there's the devastation of it and then you have to think, right, will I be around to do the next one or where am I going to be in my career? And then obviously you were named captain just a few years after that as well. So it must be quite a whirlwind few years for you. Yeah, it was. I mean, that we really took a hit on that one. I I would say, and and we had a a couple of years as well where we lost a lot of senior players because they were like, oh, "Sorry, I'm gonna have to start my career now outside of cricket," and so they left in even though they would still have had you know time a time to play or t- time in their careers because they weren't they weren't that old. But yeah, we 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 just had to rebuild and uh, we had to rebuild from scratch. But every time something like that happens, it was like, okay, well, let's let's see if we can come back better and stronger next time around. And in I think the uh, when I took over the captaincy was when we we'd really lost quite a few really good players in a short space of time. And for me, it was about okay, we need to build this team up and we need to. Uh, um, 
give these all these young players around me because they literally were you know 14 to 18 years old yeah you feel like you're a babysitter like taking them on a school trip at that point <laughs> I mean I didn't want to say it <laughs> no no but that was that was quite a significant age gap because I, I was at the time I was uh, I was 30 and they were in their mid-teens so it, it does create this massive gap between you but at the same time it was like okay well I've got to make sure we get this team the best opportunity in the and and get them ready in the best way. And what I said to them after, because uh, we we lost out on qualification again while I was uh, was captain, and I said to them, okay, let's let's look at the next you know two years as an opportunity for everyone to get older, wiser, stronger, more experienced, and yeah, let's the rebuild that starts starts today, basically. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, we didn't make it this time around, but there will be another opportunity in a couple of years time. And all of you are young enough to go for it and to really do something special. And yeah, I was only captain them for two years because then I left uh, for, for England to take up um, my current role. And but they did do it. They did take up the challenge in, in that way. And yeah, a couple of years later, they did end up qualifying for the global qualifier. And, you know, I think for the last, like I was saying, for the last seven years, there's probably been this massive kind of upward trajectory for the squad and the way that uh, KNCB have invested in them as well has been really great to, to see and really positive. And I think it's uh, it's starting to to pay off um, for in, in the performances as well. And what was it like when you were told that you were going to become captain? And what were your what was your leadership style like? I want to know what an Esther team talk is like. So what was it like for me when I became captain? I mean, I really was the only candidate at the time. And um, so there was a little bit of, I felt quite a lot of weight on my shoulders also because I was working within the association at the time and trying to carve out the right opportunities for the and team. And you moved on from Starbucks by this point. Uh, yeah, I had. Yeah, I'd, I've been uh, taken up a role within uh, Dutch cricket as a development officer and, and and head of the girls pathway as well. So there was a lot of, OK, um, internal wrangling, so to speak, to make sure that we had the right coaches, the right managers, the right playing opportunities and things like that. And that, that was that a lot of that work that the most of the team were never aware of. And yeah, that, but that took up probably most of my attention. And then in terms of team talks, I I always tried to be positive as much as possible, inspired by um inspired by by captains I played under, like uh, Helmine Rambaldo. She would always uh, uh, say, "Come on, don't forget to enjoy it." And Denise Hanama, same thing. You know, she was enjoy, enjoy. So I still I still say that all the time, even now when I'm playing club cricket. It's like, come on, let's enjoy. And um, so I tried to work that in. But yeah, I think what one thing I, I tried to do was lead by example. So I know when when the chips were down, I was always the one who was digging in, trying to get us to get us to a score or get us uh, closer to the win, even even in, you know, quite dire situations when we're playing against stronger oppositions. Uh, and I was always hoping that that would uh, inspire those around me to to do the same and to, to keep fighting, because uh, the one thing I don't like is a team just just folding and giving up I just I always want to see that fight and even if you even if you end up losing at least you've gone for it and you've tried and given it your all so I guess that's my that was my leadership style at the time I guess and was there ever time you just were like this is too hard I can't hack this yes there was very difficult tours and uh there was one particular one when we were in Thailand where the coach handed in his notice halfway through the tour. Our assistant coach had to fly home for personal circumstances. There were rumblings in the the back end. The just basically we we'd made all these agreements up front about how how we were going to arrange it and how the uh, how we were going to operate with the team. And none of those were followed. And yeah, so I, I was also struggling with my own fitness. I was, uh, had an asthma attack when we were on the preparation uh, tour, but that went undiagnosed. So yeah, I, I mean, that was pretty, pretty difficult to, to deal with. And then obviously the disappointment of, again, like losing to Zimbabwe by two runs. <laughs> That was that was quite devastating. Yeah, so it was just one one thing after another. Uh, so that was quite a difficult tour, I think, for me. Uh, there have been other difficult tours, but that that one I was I was captain, and yeah, I also got the yips on that tour, so that wasn't great. Uh, ne <laughs> never ideal, never ideal. No, one, especially no. on a tour. And at that point, do you think how am I gonna 
manage this when the team are looking to me as the leader and I'm also not performing how I would like to? Yeah, I mean, I remember a conversation I had with uh, the assistant coach uh, on that tour um, because I, w- I wasn't coping very well. And she's like, yeah, you're just going to have to really dig deep and stay strong for the squad. Was it a fake it till you make it kind of stage? Yeah, basically. And I, I remember sitting on the bus on the way to the ground and just stealing myself. And then basically, as soon as we left the bus, I was like, OK, let's do this. And then she said to me afterwards, like, yeah, well done. You know, you really... um yeah, you really held yourself together really well. And uh, I know that wasn't easy. So she did recognize that it took uh, took quite a lot to, to come out of the bus that day and just put on a put on a happy face and try and uh, motivate everyone else around me when I was quite, quite low in, uh, in my own. Uh, yeah, in my own time, basically. Yeah, that that's a really tricky one, I guess, having to sort of put that mask on and you're like, the last thing I want to do right now is put on this shirt and go and play. I just want to go home and play video games or whatever else you would do to take a mind off things who knows um also during your time you went over to Australia to play for a bit what was that like yeah that was amazing but also really hard so I I went to Australia as a player coach uh, and I'd just done my level three course and 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 I was basically using that experience in Australia to to finish up that the the coursework for for my level three and yeah, Australia is tough. Like uh, it, I went to I went to Perth, I went to WA, and um, when you play cricket in Australia, um, you know people will tell you exactly what they think about you, and um, they they will not make it easy for you at all. And so, on the one hand, that was that was hard, but at the same time, that was also a really good experience to to be exposed to that environment and to to see how I responded to that environment. And I learned I learned a lot. I got a lot better as a cricketer as well, um, just playing at that standard and facing fast bowling every day. And then um, I learned a lot as a coach as well in, in terms of what, what those high performance players need. Because, yeah, if Australians don't like something, they will tell you. If they don't agree, they, they're not afraid to say it. So uh, that was a really good learning experience. But yeah, so that was that was great to be able to do that and to commit that time to, to playing and coaching in that environment um, was yeah really amazing. And did that experience in Australia sort of open your eyes up to what women's cricket could be like if it's given that investment, that time and that professionalisation? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I uh, so the team that I played in, uh, about uh, half the team were also state state cricketers and they were getting opportunities to obviously play in the WNCL and then also Big Bash for some of them. And, and you could just see the standards uh, going up and up. Uh, and it was it wasn't just the senior team that was benefiting. The junior teams uh, were on the 15s, under 18s were were getting massive opportunities to um, to train and to compete at national level. I actually went along with the WACA under 15s uh, as a as a team manager to the the national championships. And yeah, you could just see with the amount of resource available. Yeah, there there were just better better facilities, more coaching, um, more competition. And yeah, just real quality opportunities for for those young players to to get get involved and to have a pathway towards playing senior level uh, uh, state and then uh, potentially international uh, international cricket. Uh, one one thing I remember was when um, the letter came through for their uh, selection. All the girls were told that they could bring a maximum of eighty kilograms of of luggage. And it's like eighty kilograms, like surely they don't need that much, but what basically that was the standard requirement for um, if you're playing uh, cricket at that standard, you get 80 kilograms that you can take. And I'm thinking about the tours that I went on where I've got 20, uh, 20 kgs max to, to try and fit everything in. and Including the Starbucks kits. <laughs> exactly. Uh, trying to fit it all into one bag. And like It just felt like a totally different world, like just this small, small difference, but actually huge in, in the grand scheme of things. Things like having your name on your shirt and like all those little peripherals were just really organized and it, it just made it feel more important and more, yeah, pu- pushing it to a new level, basically. And they had kit that fitted? Yeah. Yeah. Women's, uh, women's fit. Yeah. And so we touched on this earlier, the talk of your Netherlands kit and some of your kit was just handed down from the men. Did that just sort of make you feel not so much second class citizen, but very much like second in the rankings to the men's side? Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, it didn't just make us feel like that. It it was like that. It was kind of like, okay, we've got this leftover from the from the guys. So there you go. That's your that's your team kit. Or you know, last year's uh, model is now uh, this year's model for us. So it, it was a little bit like that. Uh, there was also you know sometimes take take what you can get. So I think there was one of the World Cups where one of the sponsors had provided a lot of men's helmets with the Canesby logo on it and they didn't need them so we just kind of went okay let's swipe those and they belong to the women now because the guys don't need them they're not going to use them and so and we didn't have any any uh branded helmets so so that's when we for the first time had like branded helmets with with the logo on it or at least for the first time when i was playing because i know i knew it was happening before but it was that kind of stuff really but yeah eventually we did get women's fit women's fit uh kit which was it it it, it felt so much better immediately. I remember in the the before times, uh, standing next to uh, an England uh, cricketer who was like fully kitted out in in women's fit, um, and it was all brand new. And I'm standing there, my my hand me downs, thinking, oh gosh, this is um yeah, this is not great. This doesn't feel good. <laughs> so yeah, that that was just that change already makes makes the team feel a lot more valued and a lot more uh, like they're they're being appreciated and being invested in. So yeah, that was a, a positive change. Uh, when that when that came around and the Netherlands they look a pretty good side now I kept up with what was going on at the Europe qualifiers and all of that how much has it grown and changed since you were involved as a player I think the program has improved a lot for the last uh, six seven years there's been a lot of change there's been a really good investment into the side one thing that's that was changed was uh, the training is a lot more individualized which is is fantastic because if, you know when I was playing it was like okay well we're training on a Sunday morning uh, from uh, 8 uh, eight a.m to 10 a.m uh, and and that's the opportunity we get because that's when we have the whole available when actually for a lot of people you know that time didn't work or it was really difficult travel wise or energy wise to to kind of do that whereas now the players have got more opportunity to play when they are available and that 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 change came in when they hired a full-time coach who was available during the day and so if you had some students who say well actually Tuesday morning is perfect because we haven't got any classes um, and it means I can uh, do my training go to class in the afternoon work in a, a cafe in the evening to to make money and um, uh, and it and it all kind of fits together just a little bit better and it means they get increased uh, opportunities to um, to train uh, more kind of quality time with with the coaches there's more emphasis on the snc and basically physical support so they got a physio that they can access and things like that so a lot of the program has just gone uh, gone a lot a lot more professional and a lot a lot better access to, to training opportunities and playing opportunities uh, as well because now you know if you look this year they had tri-series with uh, Scotland and Thailand they had uh, bilaterals against Ireland bilaterals against Jersey and so on so there's really good opportunity for the girls to play international cricket and to get better and that was evident in um in the in the Spain event as well like you could really see the progression that they've made in a relatively short space of time with young players getting opportunities and yeah building up their experience so they're coming into that tournament and that's not their first international it's actually their seventh or their tenth and they're only 17 18 years old but they've had that opportunity to to play so yeah definitely seen a lot of positive change obviously would like to see participation grow more generally within the netherlands because it's it's still been probably at the same level now for the last uh, eight or nine years and it would be it would be great to see more teams signing up girls cricket you know make it as big as it possibly can be because that's where the future uh, generations are going to come from but there's definitely with around the Netherlands a, a team around the, the the senior squad there's been a lot of really positive change and yeah I, as I said I, I think you can see the results uh, on on the field. And I guess in your role as an ICC development manager you get to sort of have a hand and an impact in what's happening across Europe am I right? Yeah, yeah, to an extent. I mean, that's basically. So I, I should probably correct you because my role is development officer, not development manager. But... Apologies, <laughs> development officer. I apologize. Sometimes when people call me development manager, I don't correct them because it actually helps to, uh, when we're when we're talking to some politician in a, 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 in a country. I'll let them believe it. 
so they're happy uh, with that but um yeah the developments around around Europe around women's cricket are really exciting there's a lot of a lot of countries that are now really invested in um in growing the the game for women and girls uh, and that that's fantastic to see and that's that's been a real shift over the last couple of years because when i came in a lot of the conversations we were having about how do we convince these countries that women's cricket is a good idea and now they're coming to me saying Asa we really want to do more with our girls we we have set up this plan for women's cricket can you have a look at it with us or can you help us and or, or can you uh, tie in some support uh, somewhere and um and that's that's been a real shift I think over the last uh, six years uh, for sure so it's really exciting. There's more and more countries that are are forming a women's team that are creating their domestic competitions. They're uh, doing their outreach programs to uh, to girls and women to get involved in the game, uh, and that's that's very exciting for European cricket. and And that's why we've seen you know the European qualifier grow from three countries being Ireland, Scotland, Netherlands to now having eight countries in the pathway with two divisions uh, this year uh, with a second division and a first division. And Ireland's not even in that anymore. So that's that's really that's really good to see, to, to see that growth and see more countries that are meeting kind of those minimum criteria to participate and really investing in uh, sustainable growth of the women's game. And I can't talk about the growth of the women's game without talking about how we met at Fairbreak. Um, what was it like to get involved with that and how did that come about and how cool is that for the growth of the women's game? Yeah, uh, Fairbreak was a fantastic uh, opportunity for me uh, for me personally. Um, how that came about was I, I was already uh, in touch with, with Venkat, who's obviously a big part of the, um, the organisation of, of Fairbreak. I met him uh, during an ICC tournament. Uh, when he was an umpire and I was uh, literally three weeks into my job. Um, so uh, uh, we, we, we'd kept in touch over the years and he'd been telling me about this initiative. And we initially uh, were mainly talking about, okay, well, how can we make sure we connect with European countries and, you know, make sure that we get the right players and the right uh, right coaches, the right people are kind of in- involved around this event because uh, it is a, a fantastic opportunity to gain experience and to to be exposed at the highest level um so that's that was the gist of the the conversations we were having but um then uh, uh, the penny dropped with Venkat when he was like, well, actually, you're a coach, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, I am a coach. I do co- quite a bit of coaching in my in my spare time. And I'm quite passionate about my my coaching. And I'm, yeah, I just started working towards my um, my level four at that time as well. So uh, he's like, yeah, you're a coach. And I'm like, yeah, I am a coach. It's like, oh, well, we're actually looking for um, uh, more assistant coaches to come in. And would you be available? And so then I was like, okay, well, that that's a fantastic opportunity. I, I can't really can't really pass that up. To be honest, uh, it's something I've always wanted to do, and um, yeah, to 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 get the offer to to come in and, and be the assistant coach of uh, Team Spirit was uh, w- yeah was was basically I couldn't have asked for anything uh, anything better. And yeah, the experience has been has been really good to to get involved and to work with some fantastic players from the full member world as well as from the associate member world there's some really quality players uh, involved in in the tournament and within within team spirit you know go green so um it, that that's been really fantastic to to get that opportunity and I worked with Aaron Osborne as a head coach uh, last year and uh, Damien uh, Wright this year which uh, is also such a great opportunity to see how they how they approach it and how they uh yeah, set the team values, set the environment, and and to collaborate with them on that as well. Which yeah, last year was uh, was interesting in that sense because Aaron had not really been a head coach before, and I'd not really been an assistant coach before in a franchise. So it was a, it was very much uh, right. Let's let's figure this out. Let's um, let's work together and uh, and let's do this. So yeah, really great learning experience, and uh, I, I took a lot away from it, and hopefully uh, managed to contribute to um, the players. Uh, experience and uh, performance on on those uh, tournaments as well and also meant you got to take me to Disneyland which was obviously the highlight of your trip to Hong Kong but that's how we met obviously and it's I agree it's such a great initiative for both the full member nations associate we can call them that in inverted commas but not just them but like developing people around the game you know you get to do more assistant coaching I get to do more commentary that I hadn't necessarily done it's 
a wonderful initiative for lots of people to get involved and I love that well I won't keep you for hours talking anymore because I understand you probably have more interesting things to do than talk to me and I'm sure at some point my dogs will need to go back out in the rain so that's my experience of the day but we always like to round off with some sort of quick fire more fun questions one that we like to go to what's your favorite item at a cricket tea uh probably the um pasta salad if there is one and it's vegetarian oh interesting we get a lot of um sausage roll but i guess you can't eat those um, well I, I i also have to big up um fiona barbara smith's uh scones because they are epic <laughs> that's funny i love that um what's the best sledge you've ever used or heard Oh gosh. Oh, okay, I'm gonna admit to this now. Um, so I once uh, sledged. No, I won't say it. I'm sorry. I can't. Oh, you don't have to tell us who it was. No, I want to hear it now. I'm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no. Not, well. I'm okay. So there was um there was a team that were uh, in a dispute over money and uh they they weren't getting paid enough um for um they they weren't getting paid enough for their efforts uh, and we weren't getting paid at all. So we were like, what are you complaining about? Um, so when we were playing against them and we were very much on top and I um, uh, I think we had a spinner on at the time and I said, oh, well, why don't we put a, a dollar on the pitch so she comes out of her crease? And yeah, that was quite bad. No, I like that. That's really good. And that's like quite clever. That's, you know, thinking in the moment. I, mean, I appreciate that one. Best place you've ever played cricket? Uh, I think... I've played in many, many places, uh, but my favourite place is still uh, my home home ground in the Netherlands, Kampong. Nice. And if uh, if you could play somewhere, anywhere, where would you want to play? I've never been to the West Indies, um, so I think that would be great. Um, I've heard lots of good things, so I'd love to play there. Yeah, I mean, I think goodness, getting an opportunity to play in a in a in a big cricket stadium would always be good but I've done that to be honest I've done that in, in Bangladesh and so I can't really I, I, I had to tick that off my bucket list because I'm like I've done it now <laughs> playing, yeah. in a, playing in a stadium this I don't need to answer this question I've already done it so um <laughs> if not cricket what you can do any job in the world uh filmmaker nice yeah like that and we can see your photography so yeah. you'll be a photographer along the side that's cool. What is your go-to order from Deliveroo or Just Eat? Um, probably Indian. Uh, actually, my flatmate ordered Indian last night and I managed to sneak in a little bit on the order as well. So, uh, yeah, probably Indian uh, takeaway. But I don't really have a set. I have, don't really have a set one. Ah, a lot of, I, I find a lot of people when I ask this question, they say Wagamama. It seems to be like the really easy go-to on Deliveroo. No, no, you go for Indian takeaway or go for, um, yeah, obviously pizza, but, you know, that's... <laughs> that's yeah. a given. Um, yeah. What was the last TV show you binge-watched? The last TV I binge-watched, probably Heartstopper. That was such nice. a sweet show, yeah. Barbie or Oppenheimer? Barbie, 100%. Obviously. I went to see Greta Gerwig last I Sunday. I wanted to ask about that, but I didn't know if it was podcast relevant. And I was so jealous. How was she? She was amazing. She was absolutely amazing and super inspirational. And I was like making notes on my phone of all the things that she was saying. She just writing, um, be more Greta, be more Greta, be more Greta. Be, be yeah. more Greta is a, is a great maxim, I think. Uh, no, she was very um, she was very humble and very... Uh, she was very nervous because it was a, a big room full of people and I'm pretty sure she doesn't do that very often but it was fascinating just listening to her um, uh, uh, talk about you know how how did she get to where she she is right now and basically breaking new ground as a as a female uh, director writer director so I have a lot of a um, lot of admiration for uh, what she's done and and how she's done it so so we're going to rename you Gresta yeah yes I think I'm funny. Um, favorite thing to do to unwind outside cricket? Watch films, I think. Roller skating. Um, say again. Roller skating. 
Yeah, skating as well. I mean, I've got quite quite a few hobbies. That's one of the downsides of um, when your hobby becomes your job, you've got to find a new hobby. So that's definitely something uh, I've 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 done. Uh, yeah, so either yeah, skating, going for a walk, uh, writing, uh, photography, uh, watching a film, all of that stuff. That, that, that all of those are different ways to, I guess, unwind and and relax for sure. Uh, did you have any superstitions when playing cricket? I always put my left pad on first and my left shoe on first, which I don't know if that's a superstition. It's more of a habit. And if I don't do it, it doesn't feel right. So, yeah, left sock, left shoe, left pad. But you don't do like all of them. No, 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 no. No, It's left, right. right. But yes, always, always the left one first. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of people go left first because I think I do everything. I don't even know. Maybe I don't have one because I don't know. Favorite artist or musician? I think currently I'm pretty obsessed with that um, jungle song, which is uh, the video clip. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> I'm not very good at knowing what music is going on. I listen to a lot of country music. I don't. I I, I don't listen to that much music to be honest. So I I find it hard to pinpoint a favorite. And lastly, if there was something you could say to your younger self, what would you say? Keep going. It's going to work out. You will find yeah. a copy. Yeah, no, yeah, basically keep keep going and keep believing uh, that it, that's possible. I know that sounds very generic, but... That's, no, uh... but like, generic is good because it works. That's why it's become generic, because people say it. Before we round up, where can our listeners find you on any social medias that they might want to find you on? I am on the platform formerly known as Twitter, but I don't use it that much at... Is it at ELT Delanga? Uh, I'm also on Instagram, but it's a private account. So <laughs> probably the best place is on LinkedIn, to be honest. So find me on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn. That is the most corporate response I've ever <laughs> had to that question. And that is what happens when you work for the ICC. Find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, find pretty much. Private. Um, Esther, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been absolutely fab. And also just really nice to catch up. So um, thank you so much. And hopefully see you soon and we'll go skating. I need to get myself some more skates first, but we will. Yeah, let's do it. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at WCricketChat on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. If you'd like to give our personal Twitters a follow, then it's at GeorgieHeath27 and I'm at HLM Pereira. This is been Women's Cricket Chat. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.